What's up, soccer fans? Welcome to the Soccer Brothers Podcast. I'm your host, Sal Qatar. This is episode number 75. I'm excited to talk to you guys today. A lot of exciting stuff happened in the soccer world. Uh, I'm actually, during that intro, it always catches me off guard because I'm so used to asking my brother how he's doing because when my brother was on this podcast, and uh, don't worry, he's coming back, but when he was on this podcast, uh, I always used to ask him how he was doing, and it was just kind of a nice little... uh, you know, exchange at the beginning of the episode, but you know, I'm going to answer that question for myself. I'm doing pretty well. Um, I'm doing pretty well. I got to see a lot of soccer. I've seen like a crew game, a U.S. game, a Roma game. Uh, some of my favorite teams play in person recently. That was really cool. Um, Roma did get screwed over in that International Champions Cup game, and even though it's an International Champions Cup game, um, I'm a little pissed. I'm not going to lie. No, <laughs> but it was really cool to see Roma. Um, I've never gotten the chance to see them in person before, and I've been supporting them for uh, four or five years now. So that was really cool. I got to see you know a lot of the regular players you know at least play a half. Um, I will say though, and this is kind of ridiculous. Uh, first Energy Stadium where the Tigers play did a terrible job of hosting this game. So first of all, every time they made substitutions, they would say them over the PA twenty minutes later than they actually happened, and. They wouldn't even say their names. It would be like, number 38 is coming on for number 22. And it was just so useless. And, like, they felt the need to correct themselves later when they messed up the numbers. And I'm just like, no one's listening to you guys. And it was... And there was, like, this lady who was, like, trying to get us hype on the video screen about the game. And she had to look at her note cards every second, even when she was saying the name of the team. It was like, uh, let's get excited for PSG versus AS Roma. No. What the hell? <laughs> that was really annoying. And this is the worst part about it, though. It went to penalty kicks, right? Um, because it was tied at the end of full time, which and that's how they do it in the International Champions Cup. Uh, so after it went into penalties, every time Roma or PSG scored a penalty, it added to the final score. So it was 1-1, I think, at the end of full time. And then it ended up being, like, whatever, like 5-4 or whatever, because they added PSG's penalties and Roma's penalties to our score. Terrible. Disgraceful. And come on, it's you don't even need to learn that much in order to, to, to host one game. Uh, and the thing is, like, there are a lot of fans there. You know, like I saw, like, there are a lot of Roma fans, a lot of PSG fans, a lot of people who are interested in soccer. And I feel like that was kind of a disgrace, but uh, it's okay. It's okay. It's just, it's just a friendly. It's just a friendly song. Um, but uh, on the uh, on the worst side of this week, I dislocated my shoulder, which means I'm going to be out for a while for the soccer season, so uh, that sucks, but uh, maybe, you know, it'll give me more time to analyze the tactics of my high school soccer matches and get me a little bit uh, more knowledgeable for this podcast, so I'm excited to uh, cover soccer for the rest of the summer and the beginning of the fall, and I'm excited to get any haul back on soon, which should happen after the crew season ends, so uh, get ready for that. Anyways, though, you guys probably clicked on this episode because the USMNT played Costa Rica in Dallas on Saturday night, and we opened up with a 4-4-2 with Jordan Morris and Josie Altador top with Nagby and Areola on the wings. Bradley and Kellen Acosta started the midfield, as we always want, and our back line consisted of Jorge Villafania and Graham Zuzzi at fullbacks and Omar Gonzalez and Matt Beasler at center backs with Tim Howard in goal. So that was our lineup. And I'm going to get right into the goals now. We we um, we won 2-0. Uh, the first goal came from Josie Altidore. 
And a lot of the credit, though, has to go to Clint Dempsey. Actually, initially, there was a little nice little few moves by uh, Darlington Nagby, who passed into Clint Dempsey, made some great play, made a great run and avoided multiple f- defenders, and then played a through ball on uh, to his left to Altidore, who uh, one time chipped it past the keeper with his left. I mean, not necessarily past. I think it got deflected by the keeper past Pemberton, but... Uh, it was a goal nonetheless, and it was the first goal in 10 games for Josie Altador, so it's good to see him start to get the form back. And uh, Dempsey, that was Dempsey's uh, second assist in two games because he did have that assist to Lehigh in, in the game versus El Salvador. So it's good to see Dempsey really um, creating in these games. And then in the 83rd minute, Dempsey scores from a free kick that Kellen Acosta drew to tie Landon Donovan's record for most goals in the USMNT shirt. The free kick went around... Was, uh, it was just outside the box and went around the Costa Rican wall to the right, and Pemberton was caught cheating a little bit to the left, and it went in 2-0. Everything's crazy. We're going to the Gold Cup Finals. So, but, uh, but talking about this game more analytically, I think that we we really outplayed this team in this game. We played some of our best soccer that I've ever seen. We dominated possession. We outshot them. We didn't just have, you know... Bad, you know, just any shots. We had quality shots near the goal. We had quality chances. It was something crazy. Like I think in the first, yeah, in 17 seconds, it only took us 17 seconds for us to get our first major chance. Clint Dempsey played a through ball to Jordan Morris, who hit the right post, and you could tell from then that right from the get go, we wanted to control this game. Bruce Arena wanted to control the momentum and tempo, and that we were going to give Costa Rica everything we had, and we did. I think it was uh, after 17 minutes, we had 71% possession. And uh, we only ended the game with 57% possession, but I think if you watch this game, that you'll see that the U.S. lived up to 57% and even more, because I think a lot of the times we had important possession. We had possession in their half of the field, and uh, Costa Rica's possession was more, was their own possession was in their own half. So I think a lot of times... Um, a lot of times we had the uh, the edge on this team, uh, you know, even if it took us, what, 70, 72 minutes, 73 minutes to score a goal. Um, now, that being said, there were a few shots that threatened Tim Howard. Um, I remember the 37th minute, uh, Arania had a nice shot onto Howard, which he had to, to do a good job saving. Uh, and there were a couple other just close saves where Tim Howard had to play really well. I think Arania, again, in the 71st minute, uh, t- tested Howard. Um, you know, I'm glad that Tim Howard is really showing that flashes, f- he's showing flashes of the keeper that he once was in his prime, uh, the keeper that was dominating for Everton. So uh, I-, I think that, you know, Tim Howard, no question, should be, or should definitely, you know, be the front runner to be the starter in the 2018 World Cup. I think it's it's um, part of it is the chemistry that he's developed with nearly every defender combination that you can think of, and part of it is either the lack of talent from the other keepers or lack of experience, and uh, and part of it is just the talent himself. Um, I think that Tim Howard still has a lot to show, so I'm excited to see what he can do. Um, up top, uh, we saw you know Jordan Morris and Josie Altidore. As for Josie Altidore, you know, there aren't that many games where you can say, oh, Josie looked spectacular. I think he did look good. Um, he did soak up a lot of pressure. Obviously, he had the, the, that important goal, and it was 
wasn't, I mean, I guess he could have chipped it higher over Pemberton, but it, I mean, it was a good goal and he made some good runs, especially once Dempsey came on. So I think that Josie had a, a good game. I mean, you know, there's not much to evaluate from that side of things because we know Josie's going to be a key player. Jordan Morris, though, I thought Jordan Morris, you know, obviously had that chance at the beginning. Um, he, I thought he, you know, did a really good job uh, pressuring the defenders, forcing Costa Rica to make uncomfortable clearances that could get us back in control, get us back in possession. And uh, he also played some played some surprisingly nice passes too. So um, I do think that uh, you know the first part of the first half he was a little bit weaker. His touch was letting him down a little more. Um, and you know on the ball, I don't think that he was as good as he's ever been. But I think that pressure was so key uh, for us to get you know as much possession as we could in the first half and the, that early part of the second half. In the midfield, of course, we had the combination that I was raving about in the previous uh, previous couple episodes, Cal Nicosa and Michael Bradley. Cal, uh, Michael Bradley did so much right in this game, I think. He was, you know, f- constantly finding those channels uh, for passing. He made some interceptions. He helped control possession, helped move the ball forward. Bradley was just doing very Bradley things. And, you know, of course, he's not going to be the flashiest. He's not going to be a Darlington Nagby going forward, who also had a great game, by the way. But Michael Bradley did the job. Uh, the captain came through again. So Darlington Nagby, uh, actually, that doesn't make sense because Darlington Nagby played out wide. So why don't I go with the other central midfielder, for now, Cal Nicosta. Um, Cal Nicosta had a pretty, a pretty quiet performance. I mean, obviously, uh, uh, you know, it's, you don't usually remember who drew the free kick, but in the 83rd minute, he did draw the free kick that led to the Dempsey goal. And it was a decent piece of play, too. But overall, I thought that, you know, his 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 game was really in letting Nagby and Areola and the other midfielders and strikers get more involved. Um, it was it was really quiet from him. I mean, he made some decent plays in possession. Um, but other than that, I, I really haven't been that impressed by Kellen Acosta in this tournament. I thought that, you know, having him and Michael Bradley next to each other would strengthen both of them. And I still think there's a lot of potential there. I think I still think Kellen Acosta has a lot to show us, but I don't think he showed it to us uh, on Saturday night. In terms of our wide midfielders, we had Paul Ariola and Darlington Nagby. I thought Paul Ariola showed decently. He had some defensive mistakes, but it's not like his defense was raising his stock anyway. Um, again, we had that issue of with that final ball, with that final cross, with that final shot, he was just not making the right decisions or just not playing a good enough cross. And I think with the way Ariola plays, um, his ability to get past defenders on the outside, you need that, that final cross. So I think that's something that needs to be refined, something that needs to be fixed. And also something I noticed is that I thought sometimes he played it on the ground when he should have played it in the air, when Altidore had a height advantage in a 1v1 situation on a defender. He would play it on the ground, try to play it to Altidore's feet, or um, you know, or vice versa sometimes with, with uh, Jordan Morris. So I, I think that, I think that uh, Paul Ariola just needs a, a little more refinement. I, I see the hype, or I see the potential, but I, I, don't, uh, I don't think that... He has the uh, final products that we need uh, in bigger tournaments and bigger competitions. Um, yeah, but he, he still he had some he had some very good uh, dribbling passages, and I'm going to give him credit for that. But I will say, once Dempsey came on for him, you know we were we were looking more dangerous. 
Um, Darlington Nagby was the other outside midfielder. And I think that Darlington Nagby was just so impressive. And it wasn't like it was impressive so much as it kind of reaffirmed what we already knew. Darlington Nagby is the most, barring maybe Christian Pulisic, the most explosive midfielder in the pool. And he showed it again. He's got this ability to run through tight spaces, get through defenders in situations that other midfielders just couldn't in this pool. And he's just so fun to watch, which I have to give him credit for. And he did have the hockey assist on that first goal to Josie Altador. He, he had that initial pass to Clint Dempsey and also, as I said before, had a, a good run leading up to that pass. But um, Nagby, I said it on the last podcast, actually, uh, playing him out wide was a, a good decision by Bruce Arena. I think you have to play him at the number 10 or play him out wide. You're putting him in a very weird situation. Um, uh, when you play him at, at midfield, he's going to want to get forward, but it's going to leave us a little bit more exposed on counterattacks. So I, I think that um, that was a good decision, and that's why we saw him play such a dangerous match. And him and Viafania sometimes on that left-hand side were just so dangerous, and I loved it. Um, so, But speaking of Viafania, Viafania, I thought, did really well. I thought sometimes in, in the final third, he shows better than he did uh, tonight. So... Um, I think that still, though, you could see his work ethic. You could see his work rates were incredible. For him to always be there uh, for Nagby as an option was really impressive, and you got to love that. Um, Matt Beasler was, you know, I think that he was all right. I don't think that either center back was really that good because I think for the amount of times that Costa Rica got in the final third, they got, like, decent shots. I'm not saying they got a ton of decent shots, but they. it seemed like when it got to that last line of defense, when it got hectic, the center backs weren't really there. I do think that this pairing is definitely better than what we saw from Gonzalez and Hedges uh, in previous games, but I don't think that you know we're going to see these two play together in a starting scenario. I don't, and no one really did, of course. Brooks and Cameron are too good, but... Um, it does make me a little, you know, a little less comfortable, but, uh, I mean, so, so, sometimes he was, he was, he was, he was good. Uh, he made some decent interceptions, um, but I think, and I do think that he was the stronger compared to Omar Gonzalez. Um, Omar Gonzalez, you know, he is what he is. Uh, I don't think that, uh, he played particularly well. I mean, he had a couple of set piece chances, actually that he was kind of unmarked and could have scored. Um, in the 65th minute is the one I'm thinking of. Uh, he had a free header, but, uh, you know, put it over the bar. Uh, he was all right. I mean, I think Beasley was the better of the two center backs. Uh, he wasn't he wasn't spectacular. But I think a lot, you know, a lot of what goes to say for Beasley can also be applied to Gonzalez. So, you know, what it is, what it is they're a backup center back pairing. Um, we can hope that, you know, Miazga starts to develop in these next coming years, maybe Cameron Carter-Vickers in these next coming years, but I think for now, this is what we're going to have to deal with. Um, and then our last defender was Grand Zuzi, probably maybe our, our worst or our second worst defender of the night. Um, he, uh, he was not his strongest defensively, I don't think. I mean, I don't think Zuzi is ever really a great defender, but... Um, I think in like the 43rd minute, 
Uh, Calvo just received an over-the-top ball easily because Graham Zuzzi was pushing too high up the pitch. That's just one of the chances that, uh, you know, that I think Zuzzi helped uh, create for Costa Rica. Zuzzi is a player that I definitely think is past his prime. I definitely think that he, you know, has some skills. He has some, he has the ability to play good set pieces and play some good long balls, which does make us... I guess you could say a little bit more dynamic at the back. I mean, he's not the same as Jorge Villafania making us dynamic. Villafania is a player that's going to work his ass off, get up the field, deliver a cross in. But Graham Zuzzi can easily, you know, switch the field. But I think that it doesn't compare to the kind of threat that DeAndre Yedlin poses with his pace, his ability to get back, his ability to get up the field, um, and uh, just his offensive presence in general. Um, and, and his upside. I mean, DeAndre Edlin still has got a lot to develop, and uh, we'll see what he can do for Newcastle this year. But anyways, back to Graham Zuzzi. Don't really want to see him uh, on the World Cup squad, but I think that he you know, will probably be starting again against uh, Jamaica. Uh, but I don't think it should be too much of a problem. I know Jamaica has some threats, and I'll get to that in a second, but um, I don't think it'll be too big of a problem. Um, now... Overall, what I have to say about this game is I think the U.S. Uh, looked 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 really good against competition that was very injured. Yes, I know that you know uh, Costa Rica didn't have some of their best players, but they did have Brian Ruiz. They did have some other threats, and I thought we did a good job of reading the situation, reading this Costa Rican team, understanding that we can dominate them in possession, and that's exactly what we did. Uh, I didn't get a chance to talk about the subs, actually. So uh, Dempsey, obviously, Clint Dempsey played, you know, broke the record for most USMNT goals. So I have to give him a thumbs up for that. I'm happy for him. And uh, I think that he did a good job overall. I mean, he did a good job in build-up. He did a good job uh, finishing, obviously, from that free kick spot. And I think he's happy to be tied with Landon Donovan. A guest on this podcast, by the way. If you want to listen to the podcast where we interviewed Landon Donovan, that is episode number 60. You can check us out on SoundCloud or iTunes or whatever. Sorry, quick plug. Anyways, um, and then uh, our, our next subs were way later on, which I really liked from Bruce Arena because he saw what was going well with Dempsey. Um, uh, like, for, for example, Dempsey already caused damage in the 70th minute. Uh, a co- like, Acosta a, a had uh, a pretty good shot because Clint Dempsey had a nice, a nice layoff, and that did test Pemberton. I think we got a corner out of that one. Uh, so, I mean, Bruce Arena saw that Dempsey was working on the field, he wanted to let it play out, and he waited a while until we needed fresh legs to make subs, and I think that's the way that substitutions, um, should be made, you know, situationally, you know, look at what's going on in the field and adjust your plan based on that, and that's exactly what Bruce Arena was able to accomplish, um, he waited in the 83rd minute, uh, and the 84th minute to bring on Giassi Zardes and Dax McCarty for Josie Alistair and Acosta. I don't think both of these subs really did anything. I mean, McCarty actually made some decent passes uh, in possession, some, like, decent plays to to uh, keep keep the ball with the U.S. But um, I will say that Giassi Zardes I don't think was as strong as he was against El Salvador. I think it's touched on him down again. I remember specifically in the 88th minute we had, like, a good, a good counterattack going, and uh, he just had a bad touch and completely... Uh, reset the play and, and f- I mean, yeah, reset the play. So we didn't give it up to Costa Rica, but he slowed it down and we just had to pass the ball back. And, um, you know, we, we don't want to see that. That's more the old Jossie. Um, but, you know, if, if if he had more time in this game, if he was starting, maybe if he played more, he could have got into it a little more, but it's hard 
uh, to just let, you know tell a player to hit their peak in nine minutes. So uh, I can understand that. Um, but yeah, I think that that's all the thoughts I have for that game specifically. I think against Jamaica. So the difference is, I think, is that uh, Jamaica may. I think we can still stick with the whole st- strategy of controlling possession against Jamaica, but I don't think that we should necessarily treat the Costa Rican counterattack in the same way that we do the Jamaican counterattack. I think Jamaica's got a little more pace with Lawrence and Maddox, and they've got some threats there. Um, we saw them, you know, test. Uh, Jose Corona a couple times in that semifinal. It wasn't just a, a couple chances. I mean, he made he, Jose Corona. I mean, give him credit. I know he was cheating. He was um, he was cheating a little bit on that goal. He, he was ball watching a little bit, but he did make some good saves. Um, and I mean, even if we the U.S. do get chances against Jamaica, Andre Blake, Philadelphia Union keeper, very good, one of the best in Concacaf, and he's definitely a player to be feared. And that needs to only let U.S. players and Bruce Arena know more that we need to get as many chances as we can because, you know, it's likely that chance one, chance two, chance three aren't going to go in. So um, uh, I think that I think that Jamaica poses some threats. I don't think they're necessarily harder competition than Costa Rica, even with Costa Rica's injury. I think that they're about level. They both have their different strengths, but it'll be interesting to see. Um, Obviously, that Mexico team was weaker. They didn't have a lot of, you know, they didn't have a lot of their full strength players, probably even less than the U.S. do. So I, I look to win this game. Um, I think it would be pretty, it would be pretty bad if we didn't. But I'm not gonna get that uh, dark on you guys. Um, so that game will be on Wednesday night, and uh, get excited because let's let's hope that we can uh, see the U.S. lift another gold cup in four years. Yeah, two gold cups in four years. Um, we actually went to the 2013 Gold Cup in Chicago. That was exciting, and uh, hopefully we can have some more excitement coming up here. So that's it for the U.S. men's national team. Um, I think that uh, I want to talk about the transfers now. So uh, actually, one last piece of U.S. MNT news, and I just saw this as I was recording this podcast, actually. Um, Fabian Johnson says that he might not want to be a part of the U.S. MNT going forward after the 2018 World Cup, which is really disappointing to me. I mean, obviously it's his decision. I don't want anyone to do something that they don't want to do. But Fabian Johnson, as as I record this podcast, is 29 years old, and I think that he would have another World Cup after that to give. Very talented player, obviously capable of playing fullback and, um, and uh, out wide. You know, whether he wants to be kind of, a, you know, a midfielder that that's two-way and can get back and play defense or just play in a 4-3-3 up, up top with a striker and another winger. He's he's versatile. And, like, sometimes in the final third, he, he just looks like an attacking midfielder. Like, I, I think I remember playing him, him um, actually, well, this is not even a pass, but this is a shot, which kind of, like, shows, like, striking ability. I think it was against Nigeria in one of the 2014 tune-up games that Bradley played this, like, amazing over-the-top through ball to Fabian Johnson, or maybe it was the other way around. Either way, he either played a really good pass or really or had a really good shot, um, which was really cool to see. I really like Fabian Johnson. I mean, I know he had, he had his issues with Klinsman, which is stupid because Fabian Johnson is one of our most talented players, but I'd like to see him around. It'd be really sad if he didn't. But um, we, I think we're we're starting to get a little more depth. Maybe have a little more options. But I mean, I think Nagby 
and Fabian Johnson on the wing is just going to be really nice, and I really don't want to lose that. Because right now what I'm seeing is Nagby... I mean, uh, so outside midfielders outside midfielders consist of Fabian Johnson, Jarvis Nagby, and then in the middle of the park or at defensive mid because I think I think we can run a four two three one here is Kel Nicosta and Michael Bradley, and at center attacking mid you have Christian Pulisic, the wonder kid, and then at striker you can put Bobby Wood there, you can put Josie there. I I think that Bobby Wood might work a little better in a one striker formation or maybe even Clint Dempsey. But, I mean, there's a number of looks that we could do, but the point is is that our outside midfielders um, can be... If they could be Darlington, Nagby, and Fabian Johnson, those are two very, very exciting players, and I, I want to see that. Because I think that them playing off via Fania and Yedlin could be really lethal uh, for, for opposing defenses. So, it'll be sad. It'll, it'll definitely be sad if we, don't, if we don't get to see Fabian Johnson. But anyways, let's move on. Um, Murata to Chelsea has been confirmed. Now, Chelsea has Diego Costa. He might he might leave now, but if they can have Morata as their best striker, they are in just fine position. Morata performed well for Real Madrid in his initial stint. I mean, he was a little bit more of a project back then, but then when he moved to Juventus, he did a pretty good job. He didn't have the best goal tally in Serie A, but he was getting assists. He was... He was um, doing really well in the Champions League and was key to getting uh, Juventus to that 14-15 Champions League final. And then when he came back to Real Madrid, I mean, this past season, he scored 15 goals and 26 league appearances for Real Madrid. He's a striker that's fast. He has a shot. He has the ability to just get to any ball in the box, it seems like. Such a good poacher. Yeah, I, like you, People make fun of me because I, I just like watching poachers like, I like watching highlights of like Harry Kane and Jekko, and sometimes Morata can be like that. But I think it's just as exciting. I think Chelsea um, made a really good transfer. I think it was around seventy million euros, which is a lot, a lot. But he's still twenty four. He's still got room to grow, and I think that um, uh, that that can be a good move for Chelsea. Now another uh, key Premier League transfer that just happened for I think around forty million pounds was Benjamin Mendy, the Monaco fullback, to Manchester City. Mendy, um, Pep Guardiola wants to play a style with more attacking-minded fullbacks. Uh, fullbacks a little bit more energy than they had last year, and I think that Benjamin Mendy can be that player. Obviously, he was key to um, you know Monaco winning that league title, winning league uh, past year, this past year, and I think that he's worth the price tag, honestly. So... And then uh, the last transfer I want to talk about is Bernadeschi to... Uh, I always pronounce that differently. Like, I, I don't know. Uh, Bernadeschi to Juventus. Um, Bernadeschi uh, scored 11 goals last year in Serie A and is a very explosive player, capable of scoring some like very very good wonder goals. I've seen him score some just fantastic goals. So, I mean, I, 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 mean, I think that I'm... Already scared as a Roma fan, but I'm even, I'm scared to what for what Bernadeschi can do because I think we've seen Bernadeschi play around you know mediocre to good talent like put him with these some of these some of this Juventus supporting cast and Juventus players I think that he could be even stronger and I am scared um, I am very scared for what Douglas Costa and Bernadeschi can add to Juventus because. You know, Juventus is keeping their their great players and just adding, just adding to their depth. And 
It is it is a scary thing. Now they did lose um, Benucci as he went to Milan, which was a, a power play by Milan. You know, taking taking the best clubs, uh, one of the one of the best clubs defenders and a defender that's been at Juventus and been a part of their core for a while. So hopefully that'll make Juventus a little bit more out of sorts. I don't know. I'm speaking as a Roma fan now, but. <laughs> That's all I wanted to talk about transfers for today, guys. Thank you so much for listening. I will have an episode reviewing the final of USMNT versus Jamaica, uh, the Gold Cup final, soon. That'll be out either Thursday at latest Friday. And um, I'll keep on talking about transfer rumors for the rest of the summer. And I'm excited to get into this club season, too, because the Premier League is less than a month away. So um, I'll be on top of that. We have an email for this podcast, soccerbrotherspodcast at gmail.com. We have a Twitter and Instagram. Those are both under the handle at soccerbrospod. Uh, we are on Google Play. We are on iTunes. We are on SoundCloud. We are on Podkicker. Check us out on all those platforms. Review and rate us. Um, email me. Uh, email the podcast, rather. Um, because I'd be willing to talk about topics that you guys are interested or want me to talk about. Um, because really what this podcast is about is about growing soccer in America, growing the spirit of soccer in America and American soccer in general. Um, but really like if you guys, you know, want me to talk about, I don't know, like the Brazilian second division, I'd be willing to do my research and talk about that because, uh, this is about, growing that idea and that excitement for soccer and that is what i'm here to do and right now we're talking about the stuff that's in the highest demand just generally and what we're interested in which i will always keep doing but i want to i want to cover all that i can so i'm going to get out of here thank you so much for listening and i will see you guys later on episode 76 of the soccer brothers podcast thank you so much